Hello, I'm Stephanie Ruff. And I'm Aviva Nabeski. We're the hosts of the Dressage Today podcast, where you can find us talking about anything and everything dressage related. Our conversations span the world of dressage from leading riders to local level dressage heroes. We're talking training advice, showing tips, and sharing stories to inspire your own dressage journey. So tune in, then tack up. Hello, and welcome to the third season of the Dressage Today podcast. Today's interview is with para rider Genevieve Rohner, who is the winner of the Win-A-Day contest with Adrian Lyle, sponsored by Vitaflex. The contest actually originally took place in 2019, but the event first had to be delayed because of COVID. And then, of course, we had to wait for Adrian to go compete in the Olympics. So it actually was almost two years after knowing she had won, they finally got to have their clinic in November 2021 in Herber City, Utah. So right after the event, like immediately after we were all done for the day, I sat down with Genevieve, her mother Lexi, and her coach Annie Sweet to talk about the day. But first... It is January, and we are recording right after a bad winter storm that affected much of the eastern half of the United States, and right before another storm is supposed to hit the eastern half of the United States. <laughs> so it does not make for good riding weather, and in some places with the wind chill, it's not even safe to be outside for very long. So for those who can't winter in a warmer climate, what's a rider to do, Aviva? Well, you know, we're cold <laughs> and it's miserable. <laughs> and I'm very fortunate because I do have an indoor arena. That makes and a big honestly, difference. I don't know how people do it without an indoor. Right. Um, not necessarily just because of the cold and the wind and all the rest of that, but because footing freezes. Yeah. And it becomes unsafe for horses. Yeah. So for those people, I think you know, what they do is they put their horses on trailers and they go places that have indoors um, yep. or they wait for it to be warm enough that they actually, you know, can ride on a thawed out arena or they spend a lot of time in the walk. I was going to say when I had yeah. my farm, you know, in Maryland, I did not have, you know, I, I did not, I had an arena, but it was uh certainly not an indoor. And that's what I did. I spent a great deal of time walking, but you can do a lot in the walk. You can do so much in the walk. When, when my big horse um, fractured his coffin bone, I was required to ride walk him for a minimum of 30 to 40 minutes a day, five days a week. And that was for five months. Wow. And at the end of five months, let me tell you, when we were able to start trotting and cantering, <laughs> shoulder in, haunches in, half passes, all that stuff was a piece of cake. Right. Um, you know, it was just getting his fitness back at the other gates. So, you know, for those people who can't do much more than walk, it's not the end of the world. There's still so much that you can learn. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just for so many horses, the difficulty going from a free walk back to a medium walk, Yeah. you know, working on that. I mean, yes, it's boring, but hello. So is dressage, right? Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it can be very rewarding teaching your horse how to do a walk pirouette, a true honest to God walk pirouette. 
um, you know, that that's all about submission and strength of the hindquarters yeah. and having three months of cold, frigid weather, you know, those are double coefficient movements. And having spent the time to really work on them with your horse when other people are having, you know, fun doing <laughs> the other stuff, you're getting the eight on that on that turn on the haunches. Right. Um, which now just turned into 32 points. Yeah. Because it's these are two of them. Yeah. So anyway, but how do you stay motivated? And it's it's a question that I ask myself a lot. And I think a lot of it is, you know, people have goals. And if you're working towards a goal, you can stay motivated because you're working towards something. So for those people who plan to start a new level of competition in the spring, the winter is their time to perfect the new level, whether it's first level or pre-St. George or anything in between. It's working on this, the tough stuff and perfecting everything. Um, but as we talked about in our last podcast, for those of us who have decided just to enjoy our riding, <laughs> yes, as opposed to working necessarily towards a goal of some kind, yeah. um, keeping the motivation is, is something that's sort of creative. And it's something that I think is very individual to individual people. Um, I know that I've been having a really rough time keeping my motiva motivation this year. Um, I'm getting older. The right. cold weather really bothers me. Yeah. Um, I have arthritis in my hands and it's, it's even with gloves, it's hard. Um, you know, my back gets stiff and tight and sore. And, you know, you think about, well, if I just didn't have to groom, if I could just ride. So, you know, put a blanket on your horse, you know, even, even if your horse isn't clipped, put on a sheet and there's not as much grooming. Yeah. So it's easier to get on your horse. Um, for me, I've been motivating myself by keeping going with my lessons. Right. And as an instructor, there's not a whole lot more than I hate that than when a rider comes in for a lesson and I say, How's it been since <laughs> I saw you last? And they say, Oh, I haven't ridden since the last time you saw me. Uh-huh. You know, and that's not fair to the horse, and that's not fair to the rider, and that's not fair to the instructor. So when I have lessons, I feel incumbent, you know, that it's important to me and it's important to my horses and it's important for Cheryl that I ride. Yeah. So I force myself to ride and I say things like, it's going to be a short ride. You know, that's the kiss of death, right? <laughs> oh, it is, a, isn't it? Yeah. It guarantees yeah. it turns into an hour. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a short ride. I'm only going to ride for 20 minutes. It's going to be right. a really intensive 20 minutes and I'm, I'm going to focus on X. Yeah. You know, and I find that once I'm on, the motivation comes itself. Right. Um, and I think that's true for most people. Once yeah. you start getting focused on whatever it is you're doing under saddle, it's easier to keep going. Um, it's easy for me to keep myself motivated with Tiger because I keep saying to myself, you know, he's 20 this year. And he needs to stay in work. Yeah. Because 20 year old horses need to stay in work and they need to stay strong and they need to stay flexible. And it's not like I have to, you know, spend an hour working on perfecting my tempies right. or getting him strong enough so that he can do a canter pirouette. 
but it is important for him to get in the ring and to walk Trot and Canner long and low and through his back and pushing from behind and carrying himself. Because if we ever do want to move up the levels and school all the really super fun stuff, he has to be fit. Right. Yeah. So I think for the people out there who are, who are, you know, suffering from the winter doldrums, it's just a matter of figuring out what the goal is that gets you out there and then making it as easy on yourself as you can. Um, you know, there are people who don't have a heater in their, in their tack room. Um, so, you know, carry your tack in your, in your car and that way your heater is on in your car. And by the time you get to the barn, your saddle isn't ice cold and your bit isn't <laughs> ice cold. Yeah. And it's not going to get freezing during the time that you groom your horse. You know, just little things like that. Um, you know, offer yourself a reward. Um, you know, for me, yes, I'm heavier than I want to be. And yes, I need to lose some weight. And yes, I'm gaining some weight over the winter because, you know, don't we all because we comfort eat because, you know, we're cold. <laughs> Because it's cold. Um, but I say things to myself like, well, you know, if you ride, then you can have that cookie because you <laughs> and you know, if you don't ride, you haven't used up any calories. Right. So you need to ride. Um, you know, put your britches on one day and see if they're too tight. And right. remind yourself that you're gonna have to buy a whole new wardrobe if you don't keep riding because your britches won't fit or your boots won't fit. <laughs> Well, you know, there are all kinds of weird ways that I think that we can motivate ourselves. And, you know, we each find our own bizarre way to do it. Right. And yeah. Whatever it is, is, is good. I mean, I remember when we bought our farm and everybody I knew who owned a farm basically didn't ride. And they all told me, I'm so tired at the end of the day after mucking stalls and turning out horses and fixing fencing and this, that and the other. I just don't have the energy in me to ride. And I and I swore an oath that I would ride, that I would not be one of those people. And, you know, we've been here for 23 years. Wow. And there are days that I think I really don't want to ride. I'm tired. And I say to myself, you bought the farm. So you ride. <laughs> and, you know, 95% of the time I do. And yeah. I give myself a break, the other 5%, you know, and I, and I say, you know what, if you were boarding, you probably wouldn't get in the car and drive to the barn tonight. So you don't have to work tonight. And that's okay too. And that's okay too. And I, I think that's part of the motivation is being gentle with yourself yeah. and giving yourself, you know, sometimes it really and truly it is okay not to ride and maybe adding something new to your repertoire instead of going out to ride where you're going to get hot and sweaty and all the rest of it, maybe teach your horse a trick in hand, right? You know? or maybe learn how to work in hand, or maybe just free lunge your horse just to see what your horse looks like. Um, you know, I don't see my horses because I'm sitting on them. So I don't know what they look like. <laughs> and, you know, today I went down to ride before we recorded and I didn't have a lot of motivation. And I was, you know, thinking about being motivated. And it was one of those nights where the snow was falling off the roof and Neither one of my horses is terribly spooky, but that's a really scary thing. Yes, it is. So I, I rode Leo and I made the decision that I was not going to ride Tiger. And so I lunged him. 
I didn't even tack him up. All I did was put him in a halter and I just watched my horse move. And I watched where he was strong and I watched where he was weak and I encouraged forward and I encouraged collection and I made the circle bigger and I made the circle smaller and I worked on some straight lines and I got a feel for who my horse was, you know, on his own without me influencing him with my leg and my seat and my rein and all the rest of it. And it ended up being really very educational. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes the motivation can come from doing something just a little bit different, just to recommit you to how exciting the whole process is. Yeah. And then for those of us who can, we moved to Florida. Well, uh, yeah, I, I was going to say full disclosure, when we decided to talk about this topic, that was my answer. I was like, <laughs> winter motivation to me, winter is now my favorite season of the year. I love winter. Winter yeah. in Florida is the best. So, um, you know, I don't have to be motivated in the winter. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, come July and August, we'll revisit this topic <laughs> when when you're in 100% humidity yep. with 103 degrees. And yep. I mean, it's pretty unpleasant here in the DC area too, but not like where you are. And no. we'll talk about motivation then. How about okay. it? Okay. Okay. We will, <laughs> we will, we will revisit summer motivation for those of us who, uh, yeah, live year round in the tropics. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what, uh, this isn't something that I usually say, but I would love for our listeners, if you have any really clever ideas to, to keep yourself motivated that you would like to share, yeah. please you know, send it to us on social media because we'd, we'd love to talk about it again yeah. because, it you know, it isn't just the bad weather. We all need to stay motivated. Um, and when right. you've had a bad lesson or you've had a bad ride or you've had a bad show, you know, how do you give yourself a good swift kick in the butt and keep yourself going forward yeah. and planning for the forward, for, for the future? Why don't we all just give up? You know, we, but we don't. No, we don't. So, no, we so, don't. So clearly there's some, there's something out there and, you know, share your experiences and share your, your coping mechanisms because somebody out there needs to hear it. Yes. Oh, I would agree. And you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, right now it's kind of focused on, on the winter and the cold, but, but like you said, it could be anything. It could be, you know, dealing with family situations or stress at work or, there, there are a lot of ways to get derailed and to lose motivation and to just go, oh, I just want to go home and, you know, crawl yeah. under the covers or whatever. So, yeah. And, and if people feel like that, they, they really need to know that they are absolutely not alone. We all feel that way. Oh God, <laughs> <You know>? yes. <laughs> Hopefully not all the time, but certainly we all have days. And so, you know, that's yeah. right. But it, it is about picking yourself back up, giving yourself permission to, you know, have a, have a bad moment and then picking yourself back up and doing it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't it, don't they say that the definition of insanity is that you do the same thing over and over again, right. still expecting a different outcome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's us. That it is. There is definitely truth to that. <laughs> so yes, we would love to hear anybody's, um, if anybody would like to share their tips or tricks or, you know, whatever, whatever works for them, because yeah, we can, we, we're all in this together. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. This month's question for our Ask the L segment. 
uh -oh. comes from <laughs> Laura. <laughs> and her question is, when I halt at X, what should be at X? Is it the horse's head, um, the rider, the horse's shoulder? And does it matter which hand you salute with? Good question. So ideally, the center of the horse should be at X, which means that the rider should be sitting firmly upon X. Um, I'll tell you guys a little secret. Unless you are riding in the FEI ring or a championship show or something like that, and there is a judge at E or at B, the judge at C really can't tell yeah. how much at X you really are. Um, as long as either the head, the neck, the shoulder, the rider, the loin, the butt, as long as the horse <laughs> is along that line of X, you're pretty much okay. Um, and the same thing is kind of true with hitting every other letter. Um, I know in one of our very first podcasts, we talked about accuracy and I talked right. about, you know, when does a circle start? Um, and if your circle is at E and it's 20 meters, then technically the circle should start as the rider is at E and it goes all the way around and touches the wall when the rider is at B. Um, so, but as long as it's a part of the horse and preferably the front part of the horse, <laughs> um, you know, as opposed to behind the rider, you're pretty much okay. Um, again, unless you have a, a, a judge at one of the other right. points who can really and truly see it. Um, but the judge at C, it's just a perspective thing. It is a little bit hard to see. Um, in terms of the salute, um, it doesn't matter if you salute with your right hand or your left hand. Um, the smart thing to do is to salute with the hand that is not holding the whip. Yes. You are permitted to salute with the hand that's holding the whip. And there are lots of riders who do that. But there are some more sensitive horses who, if you take your hand off the reins and you bring your hand down and the whip is going whoosh through the air, um, will spook at it or will move away from it or will move forward from it. So your best bet is to salute with the hand that doesn't have the whip. Um, now that's interesting because many, many years ago, I was at a show and I wasn't, normally I would never salute with the, my whip hand, but I don't know. I was, I had a, you know, I spaced out. I had a weird moment and I did salute with the whip hand and the judge told me I should not do that. You should not, but that doesn't mean that you're going to get marked down for Oh it. yeah, no, I guess I probably yeah. didn't. Yeah, 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 but yeah. And then, I mean, there are a lot of things that we say that you shouldn't do, but they're not going to take points away from gotcha. you. Gotcha. Okay, um, yeah, that makes sense. But I, I remember when I was first learning to ride dressage, and I was taught that when you saluted, and I honestly, I can't even remember, it was rude to, to bring your hand down. And I think it was show the palm of your hand to the judge. Oh, okay. You know, I, that's kind of an awkward movement. It anyway. is, yeah. Um, but that that was considered rude. Um, but again, you're not going to get marked off for it. Um, there are judges who think that it's rude if you wear sunglasses. Ah. 
um, you know, it's, it, you're not going to get marked off for it. Right. Um, I, I know of a judge who at a very, at a licensed competition, uh, coats were excused. It was very, 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 very hot. And uh, somebody I know who was at, in her 70s at the time took her jacket off and took her stock tie off, which you are required to do. Yeah. Um, and she had a collared short sleeve shirt and she rode her test and she finished and she saluted. And, you know, as we do, she walked down towards the judge to say thank you. And the judge told her that it was disrespectful for her to have ridden without a coat. Wow. Interesting. Um, that judge is no longer judging. It's <laughs> retired. Um, but, you know, we're individuals and certain things bother us, but you, right. don't, you don't take away points for things like that. Right. Um, you know, I would prefer to see a horse halt smoothly and from the hindquarters and maybe a little bit before X or a little bit after X and have, you know, a leg in every corner and round and through and soft and then strike off nicely from the rider's aids and straight, um, then see a horse pulled right at X. Yeah. You know, hollow and, you know, yeah. wide behind and braced. Yeah. So, you know, it's the same as with, with transitions. If you're, if you're riding at first level or above and the transitions are now at a letter as opposed to between two letters, you know, I would, I, this is me, this is me, the judge, as opposed to somebody else, the judge, mm -hmm. I would prefer to say transition should have been at a, but nicely on the aids and relaxed and through rather than see somebody stab a spur into their horse right at a, and the head comes up and they're hollow and they launch into it. Right. On the other hand, if you are clearly, um, if with the eventing dressage tests, um, there's one test that the transition to canter takes place at K. That's and different. 90, at K, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 95% of riders make that transition before K and they use the corner to get the correct lead. Right. And they may have a beautiful transition, but the purpose of that transition at K is to demonstrate that your horse can make a canter transition, not in a corner. Yeah, on the straight line. So yeah. I may comment on the beauty and the throughness and the, all the rest of it of that transition, but say, you know, but transition <laughs> should have been at K, not in corner, to sort of let the rider know, I know what you're doing. And you're uh -huh. <laughs> And what might have been an eight transition is now a 7.5. Yeah. yeah. So remember that, you know, as judges, we do want to give you good scores and we do want to reward you. But remember, we are also riders. <laughs> or if we're not currently riders, we once were riders and we know the tricks too. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is very, very helpful information again. Thank you, you. you. You are just, you're just full of wisdom. I am just full of it. That is true. <laughs> I said full of wisdom. <laughs> All right. And we are looking for some more questions that people have. So please, if there's something you're curious about, if it's about showing or judging, or I don't know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you would like to hear Aviva talk about. <laughs> oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> please email me at srup at equinenetwork.com 
or contact us on social media. Up next, my interview with Genevieve Rohner. Genevieve Rohner from Park City, Utah, is a triplet born at 28 weeks. As a premature infant, her underdeveloped nervous system led to a diagnosis of numerous disabilities. Her introduction to horses came through hippotherapy, and she fell in love the moment she sat on Sadie, the first horse she rode. Genevieve is a grade four para rider and started showing at rated dressage shows in 2018 and FEI grade level tests in 2019. At 12 years old, Genevieve earned two spots on the USEF para-emerging athletes list and earned blue ribbons at the 2020 para-dressage championships, her first national event. She received a grant from the Dressage Foundation and will be training with para-dressage Olympian Kate Shoemaker in Florida with the plans on competing in Wellington this season. Her longer-term goal is representing the U.S. at the 2024 Paralympics. We are joined here today with Genevieve and Lexi Rohner and Annie Sweet, who just participated in Vitaflex's Adrian Lyle Win-A-Day contest. Genevieve, how did you get involved in horses? I started riding when I was about four years old, but since I was four, I don't really remember it all, so my mom can tell you more about it. All right. <clears throat> Genevieve is a triplet, and... They were born very prematurely and had a lot of medical issues, so were involved in a, quite a bit of therapy. And another family that we knew at our therapy center told us about a clinical trial with hippotherapy with an organization in California called Ride On Therapeutic Horsemanship. And we went to the trial, and my son Cole qualified for the, the, um, for the trial. <laughs> and he got into the therapy group, so he got 12 weeks of hippotherapy, which really helped him immensely. And after that was over, a few months later, Rydon came back and asked us if we wanted to try again and do another session. So I asked them if Genevieve could also participate. And her brother really didn't like it, so he did that one six-week session. She did that six-week session. It was like the heavens opened, and she just knew immediately what she wanted to do with her entire life. And she let us know from that moment on. <laughs> so she started writing for hippotherapy. And about a year later, her coach, Megan McQueenie, asked if she wanted to try some fun little competitions. And um, I thought, wait a minute, where's this going? <laughs> and she tried it. She did seven events at, at their annual CalNet competition. And she fell in love with competing as well as horses. And it went from there. So you are a grade four para rider, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, Annie, as her coach, could you tell us a little bit about the grades and what exactly the grade four means? Yeah. So um, the the paras are divided into four um, classifications, uh, five, five, and it's uh, one is the most impaired, and then five is the least impaired. Um, so Genevieve is a four. Um, and her um, test that she has to ride, um, it's basically a mix between first and second level movements, um, but the horse has to be in an FEI frame for the test. 
and so it's it's quite a complicated test and yeah that's her that's her grade yeah so Genevieve what makes a good horse for you what kind of horse do you like I think like not a horse that's like crazy and gonna run off obviously but like that listens well and respects me and can do everything I ask the horse to do. And so now you have a relatively new horse, Donut, right? Yes. So when did you get him? Um, we went to try him in February, and then we got him around the end of March, beginning of April. Okay, and so this is recording in November, so you've had him for what, maybe six months? Yes. So not a very long time, huh? Yeah, but we've made a lot of progress, and I'm really happy with him right now. Yeah? How did you, how'd you find him? Or so, this is Lexi. Um, <laughs> one of the current elite para riders, Kate Shoemaker, is the same grade as Genevieve. And over the last year and a half or so, she's kind of taken us under her wing and helped us out quite a bit. We, we jokingly call her our very horse mother. And um, she's been very generous with her time and... and expertise and she saw that we were looking for a horse and called me up and asked if I needed some help and I said yes uh, and she found the horse for us at, at a barn in Seattle and went with us to go look at him and then after a, a lot of evaluation and she's also a vet so she was able to really eyeball him in a way that um, certainly I could never do I'm not a horse person um, and she helped us uh, get all the information we needed to make a decision and then we ended up deciding to get him and we had him brought to our barn where he's been in the stellar care of Anderson. <laughs> so why did you want to enter enter the uh, win a day contest with Adrian? Um, Genevieve wants me to answer that. <laughs> um, our, um, the, the coach that Genevieve was previously with, Cindy Peterson, um, she told us about the contest and she knew that we needed to get Genevieve a horse at some point, and she felt any connections that we could make with anybody could potentially lead to finding a horse, whether it was someone else's or one that we would buy. And she said, here's a contest, you should enter this, Adrian is amazing. And I didn't really know what it was all about, I just thought, well, great, you know, I know roughly who Adrian Lyle is. We had met her at the USDF convention when it was held here in Salt Lake, and just briefly, and she was lovely. So I thought, well, this could be fun. So we enter, not having any idea what the scope of entrance would be, and sometime later find out that there were 847 some odd people entered. And when we found that out after Genevieve was um, named in the top 10 of those entrants. So that was very exciting. So this was a contest that... that started in 2019 and the clinic was supposed to happen in 2020 but it was first postponed because of covid and then of course adrian went to the olympics so genevieve was it hard to wait that long or did the delay actually kind of help you by giving you a little more time i think it was kind of hard to wait for it but it was also really exciting knowing that it was coming up and i think but i think it helped a little bit to have to wait that long because then we found Annie and Sage Creek and Donna and it all kind of came together. It happened the way it was meant to be, didn't it? Yeah. 
And so for the clinic today, because we're talking to you right after the clinic happened, you actually rode two horses. You rode Donut and you rode a second horse. Leo. So how were your rides? They were really, really good, and I'm really happy with both of them, and I had a lot of fun. You had a lot of fun? Okay, what, what are some of the best, biggest things that you learned today? I definitely need to improve on not pulling on my inside ring and keeping the connection on the outside ring and making sure the horse is moving off my leg and stuff like that. That's all pretty basic stuff, isn't it? (laughs) We all are still working on all of that. (laughs) Basics are important no matter what you're doing. Yep, and I think Adrienne said that a little bit today too, didn't she? So when you ride dressage, what, what are some of the movements that are the most challenging for you? I think definitely the medium canter in a circle because I feel like the horse, like when I do it on donut, I feel like he's like falling on my inside leg and he needs to get off of it. Even if he's not, it just feels like that sometimes. And then I end up pulling on the inside rein. So I need to work on that. So that's challenging for me. Uh, So what is your favorite dressage movement to ride? Doing when I can sit the medium trots when he's listening to me, it feels really, really nice. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. And so you've done some showing already. Do you get nervous before a show? Not really. I just, I look forward to it and I get excited. Yeah? Good. So what are your goals for this upcoming year? Um, I'm hoping to do good in the CPEDI in March in Wellington, and I'm very excited for that. What does CPEDI stand for? Well, it's (laughs) French, (laughs) and I cannot remember what the C stands for. It just means International Para Competition. Right. Okay. (laughs) So an able-bodied show would be a CDI. Um, whatever that stands for, and then um, CPE, the PE is for para-equestrian. Okay, so you're going to be in Wellington, and then do you have other shows scheduled for next year, or are you going to see how that one goes first? I don't think we have anything else. We're in the process of of making a plan. Yeah. So we'll check back later. And actually, it stands for Concours Dressage International. Look at you! (laughs) Very impressive. So, for a question for you directly, you have, like you said, triplets. These yes. are triplets. Three very motivated, talented 13-year-olds. Yes. <laughs> um, Genevieve is the rider, and you have two in ice skating. So, how do you juggle the demands of these two very different sports and three really strong competitors? I have a color-coded calendar per child. Um, and I share the calendar with my husband so that he can see everything and we don't have to talk about every single detail of every single thing that happens. So if there's changes, we can just see it on each other's calendar and that is very helpful. But um, we, we had no idea that we would have triplets and then when we did, they were so medically challenged in the beginning because they were so premature that we, we didn't really think about what they would do in life other than we were happy they were alive. <laughs> And now that they're, they're all, we told them they had to do a sport. That was our rule. You have to do a sport because we knew that whatever the challenges were, a sport would be good for them no matter what it was. 
and the rule has always been you have to do a sport. It doesn't matter what it is, but if you want to change sports, you can finish what you start and start a new sport, and that's okay. And all of them chose to be competitive. And we kind of chuckled about that, but we'd both been competitive athletes at moderate levels, and they'd seen us do that, so we realized that they were modeling us to some degree, but we really didn't expect them to be super competitive nor do we expect them to be high achievers. We just wanted them to be happy and healthy. And now that they're all succeeding in what they're doing, it's very exciting. So balancing it is always going to be a challenge just for the fact that they're triplets. But I, I find it really exciting because I, I know what it's like to be an athlete. And it's really exciting for me to watch them find their own success in their own sports. And I'm like that they've chosen what they wanted to do. I wouldn't want to have pushed them into anything. And I, I just really enjoy being able to get them where they need to go. Um, we both work at home, so that helps a lot. Mm -hmm. And everything is within about 10 to 30 minutes of what we need, where we need to be. So logistically, that's how we do it. <laughs> but um, in terms of supporting them, it's just been we have a lot of conversation at home about how to behave about, and I don't mean just behaving well, I mean how to be a good sport, how to focus on your own self and not things that you can't control, and how not to create drama and how to respect your coaches and what's around you and how you proceed in your sport so that you can be healthy and happy doing it regardless of medal placement. So you were, uh, you were an ice skater, correct? Correct. And what, uh, what sport did your husband participate in? He was a semi-pro soccer player, and he's also competed at high-level martial arts. He's a fourth-degree black belt in one martial art and, I think, brown belt in another. And currently, in the last five years, he's been pursuing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And he's three belts into that, and he teaches it. Okay. He loves it. He does it seven days a week. <laughs> So they, they see a lot of this. I mean, I still skate. I don't, I don't know if I call it good skating these days, but um, but they see that, and I'm happy to model that, and I'm happy that they pick something that's healthy. I'd much rather have them doing a sport than hanging out with mom. Right. And Annie, if I could ask you as well, because you also rode a horse in the clinic today, so how was your ride? It was amazing. I... Um... I rode a client's horse, a 16-year-old quarter horse gelding, um, schooling fourth level, um, and Adrian got so much out of that me and that horse, like so much more than I thought he, the horse could offer, but I love that horse because he just tries so hard. Even though he's not the most talented, he, he just, he's done everything I've ever asked him to do. And Adrian like really pushed us to the next level, and the horse did it. It was amazing. <laughs> so, what was your big takeaway or thing that you learned? Um, that I can like I can just ask a little more. Like mm -hmm. I can I, I don't have to be like oh he's just a quarter horse he can't get uphill. I can be like no you can you can get a little bit more you know just a little more expression to the gates. Like that was really fun to feel that he actually does have a little bit more to offer than right. what I was expecting from him. And she was able to show me that with that horse. It was a lot of fun to feel that from him. Yeah, I bet. So the last question I have for you, Genevieve, is how can people follow you and learn more about your journey as you progress? You can follow my Instagram, which is gr underscore paraquestrian. And I think Facebook is the same, right? Uh, on, on the Instagram account, you can find the link tree to all of her links. Your Facebook, 
uh, Metropolitan Equestrian Team, which is her nonprofit donation link. And um, of course, all of her sponsors are on there. <laughs> and um, yeah, the Facebook link is on there too. Okay. Great. Well, ladies, thank you so much. Congratulations on Rides Well Done. And um, we look forward to maybe checking back in with you, Genevieve, and see how everything goes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Dressage Today podcast. If you've missed any episodes or to subscribe, Go to Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Learn more and read in-depth training articles at dressagetoday.com, or you can visit our subscription video site, ondemand.dressagetoday.com. Be sure to give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Happy riding, and we'll see you at X. The Dressage Today podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Equine Network, LLC.